The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, I am Chad Young. Go to apologize up front because I'm a little under the weather, and so I'm going to try to edit out as many of the coughs and sniffles and other wonderful noises as I can. But if you get some leftover, or if I just sound weird, my daughter told me today that I sounded like I might have a little bit of a stuffy nose. So you're probably hearing that as well. My apologies for that, but it doesn't mean we can't talk baseball. And hey, it's July, which means we're about halfway done with the season. It is time to start getting serious. The stretch run is coming up. So you got to start making some decisions and get ready to try to win your leagues. Not a ton today, but a few notes out there. The Cubs put Jason Hayward on the IL and called up Narciso Crook, who in addition to an excellent name was having an excellent season at AAA. No longer a prospect, the 26-year-old has the highest OBP and slugging of his career and is well on his way to occur high in home runs and stolen bases. I'm pretty close to a 2020 pace, 9 home runs and 11 stolen bases so far. There appears to be a lot of swing and miss in his game. He came in as a pinch hitter on Thursday and was 2-for-3 with a double, a run, and an RBI. Deeper leagues, keep an eye on him, but not jumping just yet. Padres called up another older minor leaguer, 27-year-old Matthew Batten. Batten has good OBP skills, but only 15 career minor league home runs before this year. This year, he's got 10, so maybe he figured out some of that power. He's also got 13 stolen bases, so they're sort of an interesting power-speed combo. However, there really isn't a role for him on this team, except as a backup. He was used as a pinch runner on Thursday, and I suspect that will be his main role. No real fantasy intrigue for me unless something changes there. The A's optioned Christian Pache to AAA. One of the key pieces in the return for Matt Olson. Pache picked up where he left off last year, and that is not a good thing. Strikes out too much, doesn't walk enough, has shown no power. On the plus side this year, his walking K rates have improved with Oakland versus where they were with Atlanta, and his stat cast data has improved as well, but his struggles offensively are bad, and they're giving back all of his defense and then some. I imagine you dropped him long ago, but if you didn't, you should now. Adrian Hauser had elbow tightness, and that's going to send him to the IL for the Brewers. He came out on Thursday after giving up three runs and five hits and a walk without a strikeout and two and a third against Pittsburgh on Thursday. Milwaukee's expecting to have Aaron Ashby back soon. He's currently lined up to start Saturday at Pittsburgh. That would be ideal as they could easily replace Hauser in the rotation with Ashby. 
couple of guys out briefly. J.P. Crawford is starting a four-game suspension, and David Price will be away for three days dealing with a family emergency. Some guys headed back. Tyler Naquin starting a rehab assignment that should last about a week. Tyler Stevenson taking live BP with a rehab assignment to follow. Reds don't have a lot of bright spots and can really use those too. Ronald Acuna has been out a couple days since following a ball off his foot, but said he's feeling back to normal. Didn't play Thursday, but a good chance he's back as soon as today. Nick Lodolo coming back early next week for the Reds. They're going to temporarily use a six-man rotation with a double header coming up, but we'll see what happens after that. And Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena in the concussion protocol and didn't play Thursday after their collision on Wednesday. They both should be back before too long, but with concussions, you never really know. All you can do is watch the news and watch lineups. On to the action on the field on Thursday. Andreas Jimenez finished third in the first round of all-star voting, but don't let that fool you. He has been as good as any second baseman in the league this year, and he was at it again Thursday, going one for four and reaching base on a hit by pitch, scoring two runs. The lone hit, a monster walk-off home run as the Guardians again beat the Twins late. Jimenez should be rostered everywhere as he is now hitting 308 with nine home runs and six stolen bases. If you don't already know who Derek Hall is, you should probably find out. Derek, D-A-R-I-C-K, went two for five with two home runs for the Phils on Thursday. He scored two runs and drove in three. Hall isn't a prospect anymore at almost 27 years old, but he's flashed good power in the past. He had 20 home runs at AAA this year before getting the call, picked up right where he left off. He also batted cleanup, which suggests the Phillies are going to lean on him. If you need power in deeper leagues, I would definitely take a look. He is at least an interesting speculative ad. There are worse players you could get. Speaking of guys you may not be familiar with, Pirates catcher Michael Perez hit more home runs Thursday, three, than there are auto new leagues that roster him, two. Before you get too excited about those three home runs, though, that effort raised his WRC Plus in the year to 61. There aren't a lot of fluky three home run games, but this might have been a fluky three home run game. Teoscar Hernandez, you probably have heard of. He was three for four with a double, a home run, a run, and two RBIs against Tampa. Hernandez struggled earlier, but has been brilliant since Memorial Day weekend. If you could trade for him with a manager who's sort of thrown off by his mediocre overall line, I would do it. I think he could be great the rest of the way. Patrick Wisdom spreading the dong knowledge twice Thursday, adding a stolen base to boot. He was three for six with those two home runs, six RBIs, and two runs scored. The average is going to hurt you, but the power is legit, and he has chipped in three stolen bases now as well. Ramon Laureano went two for five with two home runs, two runs, four RBIs at Seattle. He hasn't been great, but now has four home runs and seven stolen bases and just 189 plate appearances. He's on pace for something like a 15-20 pro-rated season. He probably won't reach those numbers because of the time missed, but don't sleep on that just because the raw numbers look low. Finally, Justin Turner making an appearance tonight in the midst of just a dreadful season that had me wondering if it was time for the Dodgers to move on. Turner went three for three with two home runs, two runs, and three RBIs accounting for all the Dodgers offense. Those were only his sixth and seventh home runs of the year, but maybe this is a sign he's turning things around. There are worse guys to sit on given what his track record is. We know what he is capable of, but he has looked really rough this year. Other home runs around the league. The ball was flying out in Philly. In addition to the two from Hall, the Phils got home runs from Nick Cassianos, Kyle Schwarber, and Reese Hoskins, while Atlanta got home runs from Michael Harris and Adam Duvall. Anthony Rizzo hit his 21st, Jack Sawinski hit his 13th, and O'Neill Cruz hit his second. Pirates are getting kind of fun these days, huh? Isaac Paredes already has 11 home runs. Bo Bichette hit his 17th. P.J. Higgins hit his third for the Cubs. Christopher Morrell hit his seventh. 
The old men got it done for Cincinnati as Votto and Pham went deep. Elvis Andrews hit his fourth. Dylan Moore hit his fourth. And Julio Rodriguez hit his 13th. Not a lot of stolen bases out there. Bryson Stott stole his third of the year. He was two for three with a walk and appears to be heating up again. Vinal Bruan stole his fourth. And George Springer swiped his eighth. On the mound, Chris Archer only gave up one earned run. But that was after walking four straight with two outs in the second. He finished with six walks and hit by pitch. Had only two strikeouts, but he did only allow one hit in a no decision. His ERA is a shiny 3.08, but the peripherals are ugly and this does not look sustainable to me. Shane Bieber averaged 91.3 on his fastball, a bit over a season average. That helped him to 13 whiffs and a 35% CSW as he went six innings, allowing three runs on five hits, two walks, striking out five. Not a great start, but kept the guards in it against a very good Twins offense. Starting Ian Anderson at Philly was probably never a good idea. But seven runs on seven hits with a walk and a strikeout is a lot worse than I expected. In shallower leagues, it is past time to move on as he is not maintaining what he's done in the past. In deeper leagues, I think you can keep him and wait him out, but only if you're comfortable leaving him on the bench as he's a matchup play at best these days. Aaron Nola was decent going seven innings pitch, along four runs on seven hits and a walk, striking out eight. Not exactly what you expect from the ace, but he did have 16 whiffs and a 30% CSW. Just got hit with a couple of home runs in this one. The Luises, Severino, and Garcia had a nice duel going. Sevy went six innings, giving up two runs on three hits, two walks, and four strikeouts, but took the loss as Garcia got the win, going five and a third, allowing one run on three hits and two strikeouts while striking out six. So are both impressive lines against two excellent offenses. Yusei Kikuchi trying to pull me back in. Six innings pitch, one run, four hits, eight strikeouts, and just one walk versus Tampa. Kikuchi's velo was way up on his slider, which got seven of his 13 whiffs. He had a 41% CSW on that pitch, though just 29% overall. If that slider velo can stay up and makes that pitch play up, I might get interested. Graham Ashcroft had a 3.27 ERA coming into the night. It jumped all the way to 4.53 as he gave up seven runs over two and a third, allowing seven hits and two walks with just one strikeout. Ashcroft does not get strikeouts, just 5.77k per night on the year, which leaves him susceptible to rough bat pip days, and Thursday he had a couple walks, which he just can't afford. I think that this 4.53 ERA is closer to the real Ashcroft than the 3.27 he had before. Kyle Hendricks, meanwhile, managed seven strikeouts in just one walk, limiting the Reds to two runs and six hits. He's also risky, but Thursday limited the hard contact and got a quality start and the win. I like him more than Ashcroft, but not much. Despite the two home runs to Turner, Joe Musgrove got a quality start going seven and striking out 10 with just one walk, allowing three runs and five hits. All good except for the loss for the Padres ace, at least one of their aces anyway. Mitch White held the Padres to two runs and six hits and four and two thirds. Nice showing, but the Ks are still too limited and I don't think there's much to see here. Finally, Logan Gilbert struggled with Oakland, giving up four runs and eight hits and a walk in six innings with just three strikeouts. This is his second straight rough start, and while he hasn't been as sharp since his brilliant April, coming into Thursday, he still had a 3.12 ERA and a 3.52 FIP since May 1st. Don't bail on him. Moving to the bullpens, the Twins bullpen continues to need work, but Tyler Duffy looked good in this one, going one and two thirds with four strikeouts and no base runners allowed. If he can settle back in, Duffy plus Duran is a nice start for that pen, but it still needs help. Emmanuel Classe got his second win as he pitched the ninth, holding the game tied before the walk-off. He allowed a hit and had a strikeout. Ryan Presley got his 17th save, striking out a pair of Yankees to close it out. David Bednar has been dealing with some back issues and could not finish out the game for the Pirates tonight. He gave up three runs on four hits with a walk and zero strikeouts in two-thirds of an inning pitch before Yeri de los Santos came in to get the final out in his second save. 
Fenders, Velo, and Spin looked fine, but just two whiffs and a 17% CSW. If he isn't healthy, the Pirates need to give him some time because they aren't going anywhere anyway. Adam Simber got his fourth save with a strikeout for the Jays. Jordan Romano had gone back-to-back days and was unavailable. He should be back today. Simber is a nice handcuff, though. Craig Kimbrell got his 14th save with two strikeouts. Kimbrell's been rough with a 3.96 ERA on the year, but his FIP is just 2.09, and I would definitely buy low if I could. Paul Sewald gave up the second Laureano home run, but still got a save, striking out the side in the ninth. That home run was the only blemish. It was his eighth save on the year. As we turn our attention today, let's start with the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much, Will. As we end the work week and into the July 4th holiday weekend, we have a couple games to watch for some rain. The first game is going to be an afternoon game at Wrigley, and it's also an interleague series between two very historic teams, the Cubs, obviously, and the Boston Red Sox. Some showers and thunderstorms will be around, especially in the morning and the early afternoon. They should be able to get enough dry weather in there to play this game The other game with some rain issues is going to be held at Coors Field in Colorado, where the Rockies are hosting the Diamondbacks. Um, They're usually very good at being able to get the field ready to play this game, um, and I expect that to be the case uh, today as well. Anyways, I'll talk to you tomorrow, and have a good one. Thanks, Mark. Looking at options for Friday, Rich Hill is against the Cubs. Brad Keller is against Detroit. Both are widely available and have good matchups if you're looking for pitchers to stream. Trevor Rogers has been really bad, so I'm going to be starting my Nationals. Lane Thomas in particular seems like a really good guy to play against him. Others on the Nats, good options as well. I also expect the Twins to take out some frustration on Spencer Watkin and the O's. As for what I'll be watching, what I'm most interested in on Friday, Padres Dodgers is an interesting one. Can Snell get right? Can Gonsolin keep it going? Just think that'll be a fun one. I also think Corbin Burns versus Ronzi Contreras and PNC sounds excellent to me. I would definitely be checking both of those out. Before you start watching games, though, make sure to read the SP Roundup Batters Box and Reliever Ranks on Pitcher List, get into more depth of what happened on Thursday and what's coming on Friday. Hope you have a good night, and I will see you tomorrow. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.